Good morning and welcome to Amazing Women. I'm Deborah Giro. I started this radio show in 2004 to celebrate women who make a difference in our state. And I'm never at a loss for new women and topics, in part thanks to you, our listeners. So feel free to email me any suggestions at the website, amazingwomenri.com. Salve Regina University is one of the most unique campuses in this country. 80 acres in Newport with great architectural work of the Gilded Age, founded by the Sisters of Mercy in 1934. Back then, 58 young women attended Salve. Today, over 2,600 students, women and men from over 35 states, 16 countries. My guest this morning is Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the eighth president at Salve Regina University and the first who is not a sister of mercy. Dr. Armstrong grew up on the North Shore of Massachusetts, graduated Bates College in 1986, has a master's in English from the University of Virginia, and a PhD in higher education administration from Boston College, my alma mater. And before coming to Salve, she served as vice president of planning at Boston College. She's also served as a vice chancellor at UMass and a research analyst at Tufts. So a very solid background when it comes to research, planning, and strategy. Dr. Armstrong is married to an attorney and has two adult sons. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. I've been wanting to chat with you for a long time. (laughs) Deb, I am so appreciative of this invitation. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time, too. So this is a a great opportunity. I, I really appreciate the invitation. Well, thanks for spending the time. You're the first person, as I mentioned, who's not a member of the Sisters of Mercy, of whom I'm very fond of, in the history of Salve Regina. So how do you navigate the deep religious roots that Salve was really founded on and the need to welcome students from all kinds of backgrounds? It's a great question. You know, I, I like you, I have such deep respect and love for the Sisters of Mercy. And in this role, I've, I've had the opportunity to get to know them uh, much more deeply. They, they serve on our board, they serve on our faculty, and they are unbelievable women. They, they are such a, a model for strength, integrity, and brilliance. They're, they're, these women are, are super smart, and mm-hmm. they they uh, they were visionaries when they founded Salve, and they're visionaries now. And they've been great um, great advocates and, and support through through my my time here. Um, the difficulty, I think, for many institutions that have been founded by religious leaders is that, unfortunately, we don't have as many uh, religious leaders who are in a position to take on the the uh, the leadership roles, and it's because you know they're an aging population, and we have a a, um, a smaller number of of religious folks coming up through the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So they've been turning to lay leaders um, to to offer that 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 leadership support. And I I've been I've been very lucky to have uh, worked with the Jesuits, and now of course with the Sisters of Mercy and really becoming steeped in the mission and understanding um, what it is that was the vision of the Sisters of Mercy in founding Salve Regina and the hopes for the graduates of Salve. Mm. And so I think lay leaders coming in um, need to fully embrace the mission and fully understand what makes an institution like Salve different from uh, perhaps a liberal arts institution that doesn't have um, the the mercy underpinnings Mm -hmm. or a business school that doesn't have the mercy underpinnings. And uh, I've been deeply fortunate to, to have their guidance and support along the way. 
Totally. And I know the Jesuits and the Sisters of Mercy really have some similar underpinnings, too, in the reflection and the, the need for diversity. I remember uh, Sister Jane telling um, a group of us once at the Rhode Island Foundation that the Sisters of Mercy were the very first feminists. <laughs> She's so right. When you think about the foundress, Catherine McCauley, the first Sister of Mercy, she uh, they were they were the first non-cloistered nuns. So they were called the walking nuns because they actually went out into the community and walked alongside and supported the poor. Mm-hmm. And that was unheard of at their time. So mm-hmm. uh, and they were they they purposely focused on the, the plight of women because they saw women as um, the window to the future with children and in elevating women, they were elevating society. And they did an incredible job, and they are they are the inspiration for the for either the healthcare industry that they've supported, and also the the higher ed industry and K twelve industry. So um, they they are they're they're they are amazing. The difference I would say, you and I both have the the BC connection, which is the there's a, a real similarity in mission between the I think the Jesuits and the the Sisters of Mercy. What I would add, which Sister Jane so aptly put, is the, the role of women in leadership. Is It feels different here than mm-hmm. at a Jesuit institution because of the, the centering of women and the women, uh, you know, women are running this institution. And there's a, there's a different perhaps tone and approach to leadership because of that. Yeah, well, we're delighted that you're there as the president of Salve Regina University. Um, COVID-19 has tested all of us, Kelly, in, in ways that I think we never imagined. You and I were talking a little bit on how I think we've all become very self-reflective around the time. How do you think the pandemic has shaped and maybe even changed Salve Regina University? That's a great question, Deb. I, you know, when I think about what I had worried about, I had about six months here before the pandemic hit, and I was having a great time getting to know this community and getting to not to know Salve and Newport and Rhode Island on a deeper level. And I, when I think about what I worried about, it feels pretty trivial. You know, I worried maybe about my inauguration speech. <laughs> I worried about certain events um, and um, uh, and small things on campus. What the what COVID did, I think, for all of us, but particularly in higher ed, really galvanized um, us. And it, it really pointed us to what was important about what we were trying to deliver for our students. Mm-hmm. And you know, prior to COVID, many of us have been worried about online education and the effects for undergraduates um, in terms of what the competition around uh, online education, would it replace us? Would it would it, um, you know, would uh, families trade uh, a residential experience for, uh, you know, perhaps a more uh, easily attainable online experience? I think what it is, what COVID taught us, and it taught us in K twelve as well, is how how much we need to be in community with one another, and how broad the educational um, experience is, even beyond what you're delivering in the classroom for the development of students. And when you take that away, it, it, it's a, it, it, you fundamentally alter the transformation and the, the formation that happens, especially yeah. at a place like Salve. So in some ways, it was a doubling down about on what it is that we do and what we value. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is certainly a place for, as we were talking about, uh, wonderful online experiences, and um, especially as we tra- travel as lifelong learners. But for the traditional 18 to 22-year-old, they changed so much during those four years. They really need 
that that residential deep experience. experience. Well, I think you're right. And and we are all social animals, but certainly the formative years of 18 to 22, really, you know, you're out from your parents' home and it gives you a chance to be an adult and you're making decisions. I mean, I reflect back on my time at Boston College and it's still, for me, a pivotal moment in my life at this hour of my life, you know? It shapes us. It shapes us. If you're just joining us, good morning, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Deb Ruggiero. My guest is Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the eighth president of Salve Regina University. So what do you see as some of the big challenges before you, and how are you going to address them? So I, you know, as I get to know Salve, um, especially uh, coming down from Boston, um, not so far away, one of, I think, the biggest challenges for Salve has been that it has been, I've been describing it as a bit of a light under a bushel. So if you know Salve, you know Salve. Uh, People who are are alumni, students, faculty, people who are engaged with our community realize that it is a hidden jewel and that there's something deep and very special that happens in the educational experience here. There are no large classes, no class I think bigger than 35. The faculty are unbelievably dedicated. Um, to um, creating an environment for our students that is personal and deep and customized to their needs. And our students go on to do unbelievable service and um, impacts on the world mm-hmm. while they're here, but even beyond. But we have not been, we have not done a great job of getting the word out about Salve. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening in the world of higher ed right now is there, we're about to face a big demographic shift in 2025 the, there will be a cliff where the far fewer 18 to 22 year olds will be um, uh, actually, they're not, they weren't born, they're not in the world. So for higher ed institutions, the, mm. the competition for a traditionally student really changes uh, then in a dramatic way. So institutions that are not well positioned and then are not well known um, could be in danger of, of, uh, of really facing some difficult times. So what we're working on um, uh, deeply right now is to make sure that Salve is well positioned. We have a 75th anniversary coming up next year. That's a wonderful chance for us to celebrate um, what's happened and how much we've changed over in the 75 years and, um, and, and the ways in which we are, we are different from other institutions in the world. Do you find that you're right, the competition is going to be so heavy, you know, as you move into the future? What about tuitions? How do you maintain a tuition that is affordable, say, for a basic middle class family, um, while knowing that it's competitive and you need to certainly make a certain amount of dollars in order to succeed, right? It's such a good question, Deb. In many ways, the, the business model for higher education is broken. We, you know, we are, we charge more because it costs, it's such a labor intensive, expensive uh, delivery model to be in person and to be residential. But as we talked about, that's essential to the transformation that we want to provide. Uh, but the, the, what families expect in a residential experience, it's really changed even since the days I, I certainly the day I went to school in terms of uh, the kinds of services, the food, the the, the res halls, the, the uh, all of the technology that is needed in order to be able to support to support the experience. So it's, it's, it's a very expensive delivery model, but salaries for families have not kept pace no, with not at the, all. The, the 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 rising costs. And many of us, um, you know, most students are not 
fund, frankly, paying the full cost of education. Many institutions are discounting the experience um, because they know that families do need uh, support financially. So we are in this untenable position, and this would be true of all higher ed institutions, where we have a certain price, we discount that price to make it more affordable for families, and um, yet it's still not enough to help mm-hmm. families not feel that that crunch as they are trying to put together all their resources to help their sons and daughters go through school. So I think you're absolutely right. There's a you know there there needs to be a seismic shift in terms of how we uh, how the business model works for higher education and as an industry, almost like what happened when I think with the health in, the healthcare industry, um, you know, almost a generation ago, we're going to be seeing in higher education. Um, so it, it, it is a big issue. And I think to your point, the marketplace in many ways is going to frame what higher education has to become to be relevant in the future. I, I absolutely agree with you. We're chatting with Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the president of Salve Regina University. I'm Deborah Giro, host and creator of Amazing Women, the show that highlights women who make a difference in our state. Amazing Women Rhode Island is now a podcast. You can subscribe for free on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite streaming services. And if you like our show, please leave us a review and help spread the word. My guest is Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the eighth president of Salve Regina University, the first who is not a sister of Mercy, and we talked a little bit about how that influences her job. So what's the best part of being the president of Salve Regina University? Oh, great question. I, and I think I, um, I, you know, I've learned a lot about uh, that in the last two and a half years. I think I had a very different sense of what it would be before I came and, and actually entered the job. I, I think the, the best part is that I, I believe so strongly in the mission and the special qualities of this institution. And um, as we spoke about that, it is really a hidden jewel, not only in Rhode Island, but in the world of higher education, that to be um, the spokesperson for Salve is an incredible honor and responsibility um, as I think about about my role. Where I sit at Salve, I'm so fortunate when you look at any typical day where I'm able to interact with all aspects of this community. So whether it's spending some time with faculty, um, some of the other administrators doing some of the the planning for our future, and then sitting with groups of students, going to their games, their performances, uh, seeing their artwork, um, what what how fortunate am I that I that I have Mm. the ability to interact with all elements of this community. So I think it's the um, I think it's the privilege of being able to have that wide perspective and to have a hand in helping to shape this institution's future. You know, we're all doing it together here. And you seem, you know, very easy to get along with. You obviously enjoy engaging. So the students and the faculty must feel pretty amped about having a president who's willing to engage the way you do. I, I get, I, that's so kind of you to say, I, you know, I tend to be more on the informal side. People call me Kelly here, including the students, um, uh, because I think we're all, uh, we're all trying to do the same thing, which is yeah. to advance and support this institution moving forward. My role happens to have certain elements, but they they have r- really important roles here too. So what's your most unfavorite part of being the president? I, I think it's that like any institution, there are limited resources and you, you as president, people bring proposals 
to me that all frankly have merit. They're, they're well thought uh, through, they're, mm-hmm. they make sense. And that I wish that I could find ways to fund and support every idea, great idea that comes my way. And I think having to make decisions about what we privilege ahead of, uh, of something else because of limitations is, uh, can be heartbreaking. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, I wish, I wish I didn't have to, uh, to do that, um, you know, in, in this role, but, but um, it, it's, it's that, especially during COVID, I think, you know, we had to make some quick decisions sure. to um, decide how we were going to navigate um, all of these different uh, new ways of being and uh, during COVID and, and that, that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what makes a great leader. You can't be all things to all people. Right. 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 And to keep the mission. So whenever I would uh, worry about, you know, is this the right decision? I, you, you return to the mission. Is, is this is this the best thing for this institution as we try to advance um, our, our place, um, mm-hmm. you know, going forward? So you, what are some of the unique programs that a student can access, say, at Salve that they can't experience anywhere else at a private or state college university here in Rhode Island. So, you know, as, as we spoke about the mission, I think um, un- the, what undergirds everything that we do at Salve is that there's almost a third dimension to every program, which has to do with the mission. So we, we ask our students to think about the kind of impact that they're going to have in the world when they leave Salve all the time. So that, if you think about that's the, a different experience than you might have at another institution that is, is not driven by mercy, right? And in, in terms of the, the way it thinks um, about itself and what it hopes for its graduates. So we measure our success by the impact that our graduates have on the world. So you start there, but then when you think about the individual programs, we're, oh, we've been known for nursing and education from our start. We have wonderful boutique programs like the cultural and historic preservation major because of where we are in, in Newport. Mm-hmm. So we have students that are now working in museums and other nonprofits because they have the special training that they, they are able to gain in Newport. We have wonderful environmental sciences because of where we are in um, on the ocean and the access to nature here, as we all know and love. And that's uh, important in the too with the, with the whole issue of climate change. Absolutely. Right we, so that's, we that's just cutting edge. Stuff. Yes, three um, uh, delegates to COP26 because of our, our connections there. We had a, a special invitation and our head of environmental sciences and two students went over to be part of that Glasgow experience. And Wonderful. I think they are bringing back that knowledge and that sort of infusion of energy that came from that from that experience. You mentioned the nursing program, Kelly. You know, we've had such a strain on the healthcare workers and the need really for more nurses, more home care providers. How has your nursing program changed with the pandemic and what does enrollment look like for you and what can we expect for the future? So enrollment in our nursing program has always been strong and it continues to be strong. I think what one of the struggles during the pandemic was because part of the training is our nurses need to be out in the world actually doing the clinical work Mm -hmm. is how we kept them safe during the pandemic um, and made sure that they were able to get that experience. um, And, and, you know, while, while, you know, while we were navigating um, the disease, I think we're enormously successful in doing that. We have a really talented nursing faculty. 
Uh, but we also became a community resource here in Newport because so many healthcare professionals needed additional training quickly that they came to our nursing labs and got their training on site. So there became, we, you know, our, the head of uh, Newport Hospital is uh, Krista Durand is a, a Salve grad. She's amazing. So, you know, the, the symbiotic relationship between Salve and the local community became sort of front and center because of our, um, our, our, services, but our people and what they were doing out in the community. Mm. Well, so important, you know, for the future. And it's great that you have that relationship. If you're just tuning in to our conversation, good morning and welcome. I'm Deb Ruggiero chatting with Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the president of Salve Regina University. Karen Kay is at the controls. My sense of you, Kelly, in the short time together is that you are very intelligent, very passionate and a very focused woman. So what do you do for fun? So that, that's a, 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 a great question. I actually one of those people that thinks work is really fun. So, <laughs> so, so it, you know, and because the, there's so many things that I get to do as part of this job that are enjoyable. Tonight, I'll go to a basketball game. There's a dance performance later this week. There's just a lot to enjoy in a higher ed setting around lectures and, so, um, so and learning. So your fun is really focused around the students, the campus. Oh, so in much fun. Ways, your, your fun is your work. You're your right. Your fun is oh, my work, but I, I have a great, I have a wonderful husband who's incredibly supportive, um, great, great sons. And I'm also, because I was an English major, I, I love to read. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I the, the way I sort of unwind is I'm always looking at, uh, I'm always reading. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, um, it's a way to, um, you know, sort of uh, calm down and relax before the before uh, going to sleep and then and starting a new day. So reading is always my little sanctuary at the end of the day. Well, I agree with you there. That's for sure. Um, so, what would surprise someone to know about Kelly Armstrong? Tell us something that no one knows. Oh, I, you know, they they might be surprised to hear um, that I'm a really shy person. Uh, and I know uh, that that seems like a strange uh, quality to have when you're in a when you're in a, the, a, the role of president. But one of the great things I think about um, the Sisters of Mercy that I've learned about leadership is the concept that we've, you know, many of us know of servant leadership, which means that you can lead. Even if you're you're not a person that loves to be out in front all the time, literally, um, because there are many different ways to lead and serve a, a community. So I, you know, um, being out in front of people and giving speeches is not my favorite part of the job um, <laughs> because I am pretty shy. But I I love these sort of interactions where you get to have conversations with people one on one or in small groups and get to know them a little bit more deeply. Yeah. So that, that I think that the shyness and perhaps the prone to be a little introverted is not a quality that people always associate with, with this role. Mm -hmm. I love the concept of servant leadership too. I've had the pleasure of meeting and working with both your predecessors, sister Therese and sister Jane at Salve. They're amazing. Yes, they truly, well, they've been on the show because they too, like you are amazing women. What do you think you'll do differently as president of Salve that maybe hasn't been done before by sister Therese and sister Jane? Oh, it's a, such a, a great question because I, you know, it's difficult to follow such a, mm-hmm. such astounding, uh, you know, both women did so much for this campus. I think what I, you know, what my goal is, is to make sure that the world knows about Salve Regina. There's a, um, there's a lovely humility 
to the Sisters of Mercy that they are not, they, they're doers and they don't sing their own praises. They just mm-hmm. get it done. But what may have happened for us institution-wise, because we are humble, is that the world does not know uh, as much as they need to know about Salve. So I will be, even with being shy woman, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> the praises of Salve at, at a level that I think will help position us um, you know, so that we, um, we are, we are ready for the future and all the changes that come our way. And you took the words out of my mouth. I'm thinking she's going to sing the praises and be an advocate, but she's a shy woman, but that's good that you recognize all <laughs> it's that. It's easy you for know? me to do it for, if it were about me, that would be one thing, but it's easy to sing the praises of Salve Regina. Totally. Totally. You know, you mentioned before the role in the community, Salve's residence hall projects have certainly raised concerns with many of the neighbors in Newport. What's that relationship like now between between Salve and the city? And, and what are you hoping to do to be maybe more collaborative? It's a great question. Thank you for asking that, Deb. I do think that there's a wonderful relationship between Salve and the Newport community. Our, you know, we do 10,000 hours of community service every year. Our students are out in the community working and serving, and our faculty are, are, are in all pockets of the community. So I think the vast majority of folks really do have an understanding of Salve's um, importance in the community and economic impact to the community. I think that um, there, that as we think about the residence halls, what's changing, especially coming out of COVID, is the real need, frankly, for, for additional housing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, we have such a housing crisis. Um, and if, the hope is that, um, you know, we've changed the designs of the res halls to accommodate, I think, some of the concerns of our neighbors, that if we can bring students um, you know, out of the, the housing in the Newport community and back to campus, that's 400 uh, additional beds that um, and spaces that could be really helpful to and, Newport. And the community right needs it. We have we an so need it. housing crisis throughout the whole state. No, no doubt. I, I, wow. I, what I, a great, what a yes. great conversation. I told you this would fly by. I can't <laughs> believe we're at the end of our conversation, Deb. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Kelly Armstrong, the president of Salve Regina University. Well, I am so honored to be here. Well, I end each show with a quote, and this one is from Rosalind Carter. A leader takes people where they want to go, but a great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to be. <laughs> Love it. Thanks. I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm Deb Ruggiero. Again, if you know an amazing woman or want to listen to this show or any of the other previous shows, Amazing Women Rhode Island is now a podcast. You can subscribe for free on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite streaming services. And if you like our show, please leave us a review and help spread the word. I'm Deb Ruggiero, and thanks for listening.